mindfulness mode. It doesn't have to be about intensity. It, it can just be about duration. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Lankford. I'm here with a scientist today, Mindful Tribe, and I am very much looking forward to this interview because it's it's just right up our alley when we talk about mindfulness and we talk about movement and health and, and brain health. And, and we're gonna be talking about aging and, and what we can do to move the body and heal the mind because my guest today is the author of a book called Move the Body, Heal the Mind. And so I am so excited to uh, tell you that I have Dr. Jennifer Heiss on the line today. Dr. Heiss, are you in mindfulness mode today? I'm usually trying to be in mindfulness mode. That's that's true. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Well, your book intrigues me, and and the subtitle intrigues me. The subtitle is "Overcome Anxiety, Depression, and Dementia." and improve focus, creativity, and sleep. And right there in that subtitle are so many things to talk about because, you know, just having gone through this pandemic, I mean, there's so much anxiety out there and, and mm -hmm. too much depression. Well, so tell us this. First of all, before we get into the topic of the book, what does mindfulness mean to you, Dr. Heiss? Mm -hmm. Uh, so I have been a practitioner of mindfulness for a long time, actually longer than I have been into exercise. This was probably my first love. And uh, yeah, I try to practice mindfulness every day, just being present, being aware of the moment and things that are happening in the moment and not getting too caught up in my own mind and my own thoughts and my own ego. So for me, that's what mindfulness means. And one amazing thing is that movement can cultivate mindfulness and you can incorporate mindfulness into your movement. And as you'll see throughout my book, I try to try to do that. So it's not just a, a book for athletes or exercisers. It really, I really tried to infuse my love for mindfulness, my belief in the healing powers of being mindful uh, into the movement. Well, I'm excited to talk about the science behind all of this because mm -hmm. I think so many people want to know about the science behind mm -hmm. this. So let's start there. Tell us about the science behind moving in order to become more fit with the mind and, you know, less depressed and, and more upbeat. How can this all work and what's the science behind it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there are many different things that the that exercise can do for the brain. We can start with something as simple as improving our focus. So research from my lab shows that exercise improves our focus and it doesn't have to be a lot. It can just be a five minute movement break every hour. And this helps you stay more mindful while you're working, less mind wandering, which is the brain's default state and where it likes to go when it's tired. So exercise is essentially wakes up the brain, it infuses it with neurochemicals like adrenaline, oxygenated blood flow to the prefrontal cortex, which helps us to think clearly and focused and have a more mindful state of working. So can we bottle those neurochemicals? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I think eventually we'll be able to 
possibly mimic some of it. And I think especially that would be transformative for people who can't exercise, like um, people in the later stages of dementia, for example. Mm -hmm. I feel like it could be very transformative there, but we are, we are not... We're not even close to having a single pill that can do all the amazing things that exercise can do without any of the side effects. Um, and I think that's also, you know, amazing that it does all these things without any negative side effects. How does it help us to have better sleep? Mm -hmm. So when we move more during the day, we break down uh, the energy currency for the cells. So this is called um, ATP. And when we break down and use up cellular energy, it produces adenosine. And adenosine, the buildup of adenosine is tracked by the brain. And when it builds up too high, it actually triggers sleep. So it's like a natural sleep aid that we can increase when we exercise. So the more we move during the day, the better we sleep at night, the deeper we sleep at night. Well, I certainly found that to be the case with me. I mean... Uh... I started running for an hour every day about a year ago. And ever since then, I've had no problem sleeping. Now, I didn't, ha I have to be honest, I didn't have a lot of trouble sleeping before, but now I sleep more soundly. Mm -hmm. I fall asleep more easily. And I just feel good when I do the running. Mm -hmm. And are you running on a regular basis? Do you run every day? Doctor. Right now, I ha I have I have been a little bit injured, so I'm I'm walking oh, every day and okay. doing some weight training, and that's the beautiful thing about exercise. It doesn't have to be a one hour run to get the benefits. Um, a, a thirty minute brisk walk is what a lot of people like to do, and that gives you the benefits that you need too. So that that's the one message I think is really nice about the book is when we when we use exercise to improve our brain health or mental health, it doesn't have to be as intense or as much as you might expect. Um, and it, you can often get by with less than what you need to to maintain physical health. So, you know, it, it's at least a good baby step. And the, the mantra should be like, some is better than none. Oh, that's really good advice. Really good to hear that. And so you're doing weight training. Tell us what mm -hmm. weight training does for the body that maybe we can't get from running or walking. Well, weight training is really effective for the body because it helps create balance within the body. Uh, when it comes to brain health, uh, weight training is really effective. Um, the research shows that weight training, resistance training, and that can be take the form of yoga or even Tai Chi or lifting weights, as a lot of people will think. But the more intensity you go, so if you increase your intensity by 10%, then it helps to reduce your depressive symptoms. And so the more intensive resistance training you increase, um, the more depressive benefits you get. And likewise with sleep, what we've shown in my lab that the more frequent and more intensive resistance training you do, the, the better it helps improve your sleep. Very interesting. So is it okay to work out using any kind of resistance training like bands or whatever? It doesn't really matter? Well, I guess that when, when it comes to fitness, it's really a personal journey, right? So everybody mm -hmm. has a different starting point. They're starting at a different point. And the, the, the thing is to 
be really to make it comfortably challenging for you. Now, if you haven't been moving much lately, you probably want to get clearance from a healthcare provider uh, before trying something new. But yeah, it, for me, you know, I have been lifting weights for many years, and so I can lift heavier weights. But for for example, my mom, I just got her into a resistance training program, and she's using the resistance bands and body weight exercises, and that's comfortably challenging for her. And so it's very individual. Um, and it really, you really want to be in this sweet spot to get the benefits where it's, it's challenging. It's not too challenging, not too stressful, uh, but, but challenging enough. And this is because exercise is a physical stressor, but a good stressor. And when we challenge ourselves, it activates the stress response and the stress essentially tones the stress response. So we get really good at dealing with stressors. Not only are we less reactive to them, but we also recover faster. And so it has less of a damaging effect on our bodies and our minds. Speaking of damaging, I know that you went through a really hard time when you were younger. You, you said you were overweight and, and it was a very frustrating time for you. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and how you were able to move from that to become the person you are today? Yeah, I I was overweight in school. It took me a really long time to find movement activity that felt right for me. I I tried running several times in my 20s and they were failed attempts. And it really wasn't until my like late 20s when I was in grad school studying neuroscience and how how we represent ourselves, who we are in our brain cells. And it became clear something wasn't right with my own brain. And that's when I, um, a friend recommended cycling. And so on a whim, I borrowed their rusty old road bike and I tried cycling and it, it was amazing. It soothed my mind and it really shifted my, my passion for exercise, not just in my personal life where it became really the medicine that I needed, but also in my professional life, it sparked a shift towards research, not just on the fundamentals of neuroscience, but also how does exercise stimulate the brain? Well, that's fascinating. And I imagine you rode your bike along the lake there in Hamilton. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, it's quite beautiful here. It's quite hilly here. <laughs> it's beautiful and it's very hilly. I agree. Yeah, it's a great place to ride your bike because when you're on a on a road or a, the edge of a highway, it can be quite dangerous. But right. you probably have some bike paths around you. Oh yeah, there's some beautiful, there's some beautiful trails and I've been able to get out into the country, which is really nice. And like, you get that expansive sky, talk about being like totally present in the moment. It's, it was really, really an amazing experience to combine the two. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, then you went from there to, uh, doing a triathlon. Wow. <laughs> Tell us about that. How did you get to that point? Yeah, so, uh, you know, flash forward to my late 30s now, and uh, I had been using exercise to manage my mental health. Um, and, but, you know, through di transitions and difficult times um, that had presented themselves in my life, I, you know, I always needed to, to get a new focus, a refocus, and I like to choose a new exercise. And so the book the book follows this 
really pivotal transition in my life. My marriage had was ending. I was getting a divorce and um, it was oh, such a hard time, right? So I needed just something positive, something to focus on. And I decided I would try a try, you know, just try this triathlon thing out. And um, and so I, I had never done one before, but worked with a coach and built up my physical strength, built up my confidence, my, you know, my mental strength. And I was able to, you know, leave that unhealthy marriage, but also complete that triathlon. And it, it really uh, sparked a passion for me. And I had always wanted to write a book. This was sort of a, a life goal of mine. But when all those pieces came together, like my own life story, my new entry into this sport, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be so fun to just track the 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 effects of this new sport on my brain and talk about the research in this book? And so that's what I do. Wow. So which did you find came most naturally, the swimming, the bicycle riding or the running? I think the running is more, it would, it was something I was more trained in. So um, the cycling was my first passion and I had gotten really good and it had, I had used it to build up my fitness. And then I had started, finally became a runner after many years of trying. Uh, the slow and steady approach finally worked for me. And then swimming was sort of the last piece of the puzzle and something that I, as a child, I had I had left because I wasn't a very fast swimmer. I wasn't a strong swimmer and it was extremely discouraging as a child. Um, and so I revisited it when my dad passed away because he was sort of that inspiration for me. He was a lifeguard. I wanted to be a lifeguard. And then when he passed, I started reflecting on the things in my life that reminded me of him. And so I retook swimming lessons. I got my bronze medallion and I talk about that in the book. And so swimming was the last piece, but it is really something I do enjoy now to do. Well, and the thing about swimming is it's so easy on your joints, right? It's it's mm -hmm. much easier on your body, especially if you have some joint issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so most of the research shows that or has been done with walking or running or cycling. But the thing I try to do in the book is bring in other activities that people can do, whether it be swimming, yoga, weightlifting, um, dancing, even gardening, things that people enjoy doing, because the bottom line is the move, it's really most, the most important thing is moving at a moderate to vigorous intensity. It doesn't really matter exactly what you're doing. Right. Well, I'm very interested in your lab. This sounds mm -hmm. so cool. How did you come to be the the person that had this this lab? And it's called. I'm just looking. I'm scanning my notes here to see what this lab is called. The NeuroFit Lab. The yeah. NeuroFit Lab. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about this lab <laughs> and what it's like. So I developed the NeuroFit Lab in 2013. Uh, it's a research center for the study of exercise on the brain, and we study um, exercise to promote cognition, uh, to promote mental health, and to prevent Alzheimer's disease and dementia. So it's a really vibrant lab. I have tons of students that work with me, and uh, so it's a, tr a training facility too, and just a really amazing place to generate some awesome research that I cover in the book. 
And speaking of research, you've won awards for some mm -hmm. of the research you've done. Can you tell us about some of those awards that you, you're most excited about? Sure. I guess the, the most prestigious award is the Canada Research Chair. Uh, this is one of the most prestigious awards in Canada for researchers. And I, uh, I've i won one of those for brain health and aging. Um, so that was really great. Um, yeah, an early researcher award I won from the Ontario government and the Petro-Canada Young Innovator Award. I've also won. So yes, I've been really fortunate to uh, earn all these accolades through lots of hard work and uh, a really great topic. I think, you know, it, it's a combination of the two. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a story about someone you've worked with in your lab and, and maybe really help them with mm -hmm. some challenges they had? Sure. Yeah. So we, we've done some studies with older adults where we bring them, they, they haven't been moving, so they're sedentary, they haven't been active, and we bring them in the lab and we enroll them in a new exercise program. And this one was looking at the benefits of interval walking, which is, um, it's like regular walking, except intermittently you pick up the pace. So like you pick up the pace between light posts or you add in a few hills. And this interval walking is really good for boosting memory, better than, than regular walking is what our research showed. And we had this one woman in and she had been sedentary. She hadn't been moving much at all lately. And she started exercising and she was amazed. She, she was on blood pressure, blood pressure medication, but after the exercise, she started reducing her dose, reducing her dose with, with guidance from her, her doctor, of course. Um, and the, the one thing that really stuck out to me was that she was like, I haven't been able to jump in years and now I can jump. And like, it's like, it was like a jump for joy. You know, it was just such a beautiful thing. This, not just, you know, the, the mental benefits that she was getting, but this like freedom to move her body in the way that she wanted to express herself. I just love that. That's fantastic. So as a scientist, tell us about the benefit of balance as you age. Mm, yeah, balance is really important. So um, especially for mobility and for preventing falls, but it also when when we have more balance within our body, we can move more effectively and then we can get the benefits from exercise more readily. So if we're moving more, we can benefit more from exercise. Yeah, so the, the benefits of things like yoga, uh, are really extremely beneficial for um, keeping us mobile, helping to improve sleep, boosting focus and creativity. Mm -hmm. So many ways that we can we can benefit by uh, doing the things that you talk about in your book. And your book, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is called Move the Body, Heal the Mind. And you can go to you can go to Dr. Heiss's website, and that is Jennifer Heiss. Dot com and your last name is spelled H E I S Z or Z as as they would say in the United States jenniferheiss.com so yeah it's really exciting to hear about this to, how do we convince people how do we convince the public mm -hmm. that this truly works and that you really don't need to be buying prescriptions and medications but really the answer is right there within your means Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I think 
one of the most convincing pieces of evidence comes from um, drug resistant forms of depression. So um, this may come as a surprise to people, but some people who who take antidepressants don't respond to them. And it's not just a few people, it's one in three, which is a lot of people. And so they take their meds, they don't get any relief from their depressive symptoms. And the reason why is because the medication only targets one aspect of, of mood, which is low serotonin. And so the SSRIs, they help increase the availability of serotonin in the brain. But for some people with depression, they have enough serotonin. That's not their problem. So what's the problem? For many people, it has to do with inflammation. And inflammation can start building up in our body because of, of sickness, but it can also start building up in our body because of stress. So stress damages the cells. This causes a, an immune response, increasing inflammation in the body, which goes into the brain, increasing inflammation in the brain, and then it can start wreaking havoc on our mood. And so for individuals with this form of depression, this drug-induced depression caused by inflammation, exercise is the medicine they need. So the studies show that people who haven't been responding to medication, if they start exercising, they experience clinically significant improvements in their depression, which is amazing. Um, and so the studies that look, they compare a head-to-head -head antidepressants versus exercise, they're they're technically a tie in terms of their efficacy. And for some people, especially these drug resistant um, forms of depression, exercise is the medicine that they need. It even works really well as an add-on therapy for people who, who do need their medication. Because of course, I mean, two, two thirds of people still benefit from the, from the drug. But if you couple it with exercise, it can help reduce some of the side effects that are unpleasant, but it can also help uh, reduce some of the dosage that you might need to experience relief. So it's, it really is the exercise, is the medicine that we all need. It's just really interesting when we talk about inflammation because we want to avoid inflammation as much as possible. And the best way is to exercise. Mm -hmm. That's what you're saying, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it really is. So when we, when we exercise, the, the act of exercising itself can be slightly inflammatory, but immediately after when we finish exercise, it becomes anti-inflammatory. So it sends in this anti-inflammatory cleanup crew that cleans up all the inflammation caused by exercise and then some. So it leaves us in an, a more anti-inflammatory state. And every time we work out, we get this additional benefit so that over time our bodies become less inflamed. It's really, it really is a powerful effect. Right. One of the questions I always ask on the show is about bullying, because I worked in mm. bullying prevention for a long time. And I know you mentioned you had a, a bit of a hard time when you were young. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Um, I don't know if I have a story about bullying where I mean, the kids in my school were just, you know, they were just cruel. They just like would sing a song. And I mean, you know, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. Come on, Jen, sing. Um, yeah, you mentioned that in your I mean, book, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, that's like uh, the clearest one that comes out. But I think I, I was always a little, I was able to just let it slide, you know. And I think um, 
nowadays, maybe, you know, my own thoughts are my own bully, you know, and that's yeah. maybe the bullying that I, I need to be most mindful of is the sort of the neg the negative self talk that that can creep in, um, especially when I'm stressed and anxious. And so for sure, I would say these days, the bullying is is self induced, and certainly benefits from a really uh, like stepping back from the thoughts, taking a, a very careful look at the accuracy of the thoughts, and then potentially even just sending them on their way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> letting them float away. <laughs> Good advice. Mm -hmm. Good advice. Well, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a positive influence for you in your life when uh, the topic of mindfulness comes up? Oh, one person who's been a positive influence. It I could be an author or a mentor or somebody like that. Yeah, probably uh, Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> I yeah. read a lot of his work. I listened to his audiobook while I was cycling. Oh, yeah. Just that, that consistent message, the power of now, you know, being in the present moment. That's been that that was a really helpful message to me at the time when I had discovered him. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about emotions. How has the practice of mindfulness helped you and your emotions? Hmm. Yeah, I would say that mindfulness helps me be less reactive to my emotions. So sure, stressors still exist in my life, but I'm less reactive to them and and they they're options rather than truths. And so it's it allows me to take a step back and um, decide how I want to react or not react. Tell us how breathing is part of your mm. mindfulness practice. Yeah, I talk about attention to breath in the book and throughout the book, because this is a really helpful way to incorporate mindfulness into movement. So um, research shows that when we pay attention to the breath, it really helps to soothe a brain region called the amygdala, which is our fear and threat detection center in the brain. And so paying attention to our breath, our prefrontal cortex, which is the logic part of our brain can help soothe that anxious amygdala so that we don't feel as afraid or anxious. Right. Your book, Move the Body, Heal the Mind, highly recommended, highly recommended. Are there any other books that you would encourage our listeners to check out? Hmm. Other books about movement and exercise or? Or about mindfulness. Yeah, about anything mindfulness. like that. Hmm. To be honest, I've been mostly focusing on my own book for the past uh, while. Uh, let me think. I can't remember the title, but there was this one book that um, I really liked the idea of recently was on um, doing a life. A, a life recall or like an end of life recall. So there's this idea that at the very end of our life, we have this flashback of our whole life through our eyes, but that uh, we don't have to wait to the end of the life to do that. We can do that intermittently throughout our life to uh, reflect on where we've been and where we want to go. And so I can't remember the name of that book, but I can send you the link. Oh, that'd be great. If you send it, I'll put it in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So that would be great. Oh, I'm just going to jump in to tell you, Mindful Tribe, the book, 
that Dr. Heiss is referring to is called A Year to Live, How to Live This Year as If It Were Your Last. And its author is Stephen Levine, A Year to Live. One last question. Are there any apps that you use that can help with, you know, with mindfulness or can help us to get moving? Anything like that? Sure. There's one that I like, which um, it's just, it used to be called Breathe. I'm not sure what it's called anymore, but it was called Breathe. And this is just, um, it's like simple mindfulness meditations. Another one is uh, the, the Choose Muse, the Muse app. And so this is a really uh, fun one I just started using where it has this biofeedback um, where you you put the brain sensor on and it um, it gives you bird chirping when you're quiet and and still do you know this one yeah i do and yeah. Uh, uh yeah i think that's kind of fun uh so so yeah i um when it comes to mindfulness though i i tend to not use technology i find technology is sort of the the you know the antithesis of, of mindfulness <laughs> I to do me too. so i, I i'm too. not super tech technological savvy with that but uh those two i find have been helpful very interesting. Well, those are the five questions, but that does take us to the other thing I wanted to ask you, and that is about meditation. So you mentioned Choose Muse. Have you been meditating for quite a while? Tell us about meditation in your life. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, my book is on exercise, but exercise, in my opinion, is just one tool in the whole toolkit you can use to help support your mental health. And meditation is also another one, a very important one that I do, I, I do every morning. Um, I do a little bit of meditation, whether it's depending on the time I have five minutes or 30 minutes. Um, and just, just reconnecting with, uh, you know, the center reconnecting with a peace and calmness within me. Um, and that helps to reframe and refocus my mind for the day. So, um, yeah, it, mindfulness has been such an important part of my life for a long time. Uh, and I think it's extremely, it's, ex, it's like, it's like a direct brain training, right? It's, it trains the brain, trains the thought patterns so that you, you can have control over those thoughts. And um, when we move our bodies in challenging ways, we do enter into the present moment more readily. And then that actually, there's a direct correlation we show in our research between people who are more active and people who are more mindful. So they really do go hand in hand. Well, that's fascinating. As we wrap up the interview, do you have any final words of advice for anyone listening to the program today? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, it, if you haven't been moving much lately, that's okay. Um, some is better than none, even just a simple walk around the park. It doesn't have to be about intensity. It, it can just be about duration. And if if you want to start with that, and if you're obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're really into mindfulness, you can make that part of your mindfulness meditation, like a walking meditation. And every bit of movement counts. And so I think if, if it can be incorporated that way in a way that's really, um, really seamlessly integrates with your life, then you're more likely to do it. And when it comes to movement, consistency is key. Dr. Heiss, thank you very much for being on Mindfulness Mode today. Thank you. 
Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the show today. Now, I have to tell you this, I did not know this, I was not aware of it, but my email has not been working properly for about two or three weeks. Have you emailed me and not received a response? Chances are that I never received your message and I want to apologize right now, but would you do me a favor? Would you consider sending that message to me again, please? If you would go ahead and do that, I would appreciate it so much. And this time it will work. I had work done on my email today and the person fixed it right away. So just a reminder, my email address is bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. And I'll tell you what, if you email me today and mention today's guest, I will send you a free mindfulness mode coaster or other bling. So, so please, uh, doesn't matter if you haven't ever emailed me before, send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com, and I will send you a free gift in return. Now, speaking of free gifts, I'm offering an ebook that I've put together. It outlines the top 12 mindfulness books recommended on the show. And it tells you about each book and it provides a link so that you can easily get the book yourself. Books like Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now, You Can Heal Your Life, the book called Pieces Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh, and so much more. So download this free ebook by simply going to mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books. So Mindful Tribe, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.